Romans chapter 8, I'm, it doesn't take me long to get excited about preaching the Bible, but uh, tonight is going to be something that I'm going to unteach and teach something that many don't understand and don't understand it rightly. I'm going to show you exactly what scripture says, and I'm going to ask our church to follow what God says, not what we think. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 8, let's start reading in verse number 26. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, notice the capital S, also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now watch this. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Notice the predestination was to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among uh, many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also, what's the next word? Called. And whom he called, them he also what? Justified. All right, justified as part of salvation, correct? Ah. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, but delivered him up for us all, uh, how shall he uh, not with him also freely give us all things? Uh, now look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that doth what? Justify. Justify. Oh. So it's God that does the justifying, correct? Yes, sir. Not man. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sakes we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, Amen. I'm about to shout. Amen. It seems like religion and man has poisoned our minds with the idea that if there's a problem or if there's opposition, then God's not in it. Well, preacher, I'll just keep doing this till God closes a door or till God opens a door. Well, don't you think devil can open and close doors too? Well, I just don't have peace. You don't need peace when you got a command. I don't know anybody who's ever jumped out of a PT boat or jumped out of an airplane with <laughs> strapped on for military duty, jumping into a LZ felt peace about jumping into a landing zone to go kill somebody. There's no peace there. But peace doesn't matter. It's, I got a command, I got to go do this. <laughs> All I can say is this. They've not re read the Bible that God wrote. <sighs> Romans chapter 8, verse number 7 says this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God... For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can indeed be. It says that our carnal, our fleshly, our unsaved mind is against God. Now, listen to this very carefully here. 
Truth will be, and notice the key word, truth will be. Not possibly, not might be, truth will be opposed. You have to understand something. If you are going to stand for a truth, it will be attacked by the devil. God made two genders, male and female. Have you noticed how that truth is being attacked today? God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You see, truth is being uh, thwarted as we speak. Now, hang on for a second here. Satan hates truth. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. Lying is the opposite of truth. That's why it's, and by the way, the Bible says we come forth of the womb lying. We were watching my little four-month grandson on the telephone the other day, and he was throwing a fit for his mom. He was giving her what for. But dad walked in the room, and as soon as dad picked him up, everything was all right. She had, he handed him back to her, and she, he started squawking. He has her attitude. Uh, now, wait a minute. Sometimes he just cries for no reason. You say, why? Because they come forth of the womb lying. That's why it's very easy for you to lie to yourself. You can convince yourself of anything that you're right, even though you're dead wrong. Well, that's not how I see it. I don't care how you see it. I know how God wrote it. <laughs> Get your eyes fixed. Don't blame me. Uh, now, you have to understand, Satan hates truth. He is the father of all lies. And because he hates truth and he is the father of all lies, he will be attacking truth constantly. Now, <laughs> People that say, well, if, if there's problems, then God's not in it. I have a problem. I always say, look at the life of Jesus. Do you think he made it through problem-free? They murdered him. They falsely accused him. He had to run for his life on more than one occasion so that he could make it to Calvary. He had people that hated him. The religious people hated him. The political people hated him. That's why that's the only area I'm right with God in. <laughs> Everybody hates me, amen? No. Uh, now, uh, you have to understand, <laughs> Jesus himself faced these attacks. Why? Because he stood for truth. He was truth. His presence made it that much worse. It's amazing. <laughs> I've been in places and heard people talking about me or our church, and all of a sudden I show up. It's amazing how fast things change. Now, God uses this passage to help us in times of trouble. God wants us to be assured that no matter how bad the problem, and let me say it this way, it doesn't matter if the problem is self-inflicted or it's brought on by an attack. Did you know that a self-inflicted problem doesn't hurt any, any less than one brought on by somebody else? Pharisees, get your nose ready. I'm about to torque it. God says, if you've been justified, you're eternally justified. Your justification lasts. In other words, we're not supposed to judge somebody standing with God. Well, I don't know if they're really saved. Who made you God? Well, by the way they're acting, eh, well, by the way you're talking right now, I don't know if you're saved then. Because God says judge no man. God says don't lay anything to their account if they've been justified. Oh, you want to self-righteously say, well, I don't even know if they're justified. Well, that's between, by faith, you're justified. 
Not, by, not according to your works, according to what they do between them and God. Now, look at verse 31, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Our standing with God is not based on our standing with other people or uh, what we are doing in our life. Look at verse 31. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? In other words, who's going to accuse somebody against, uh, the word charge there means like on their credit. Who's going to put a ding on somebody's eternal credit because you don't think they're saved? It is God that justifieth. You are not justified by your works. You're justified by God. By faith, we're justified. Now, get into that in a moment here. It really doesn't matter then what others may think or how others judge. Once you're saved, justification comes as part of the package deal. Now, <laughs> that's why. You have no business saying, well, I'm not sure if they're saved. It's not yours to judge. Say, well, I, I want to know. Quit trying to play God. But, 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 you can say all you want to say. God says, don't lay any, you, you can't put anything against their charge no matter what you claim. Because God already took care of their account. He brought them to zero and added the righteousness of Christ. And I'll show you after a while that in God's eyes, they aren't even sinners. I'll show you that. Now watch this. God wants you to know several things as you go through problems. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 through uh, 39 ought to be a passage that you mark and when you face trouble, when you face opposition, when you face attack, this ought to be a place you run to and find some comfort. And I'm going to give you three or four things tonight that ought to just make you want to shout. Number one, when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. When we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit to help us. Now, watch this. We are body, soul, and spirit. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our spirit is reborn by His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. As I said last week, that's why works can save nobody. Because man is just a body and a soul, and we have to be born again by the Spirit. But God didn't stop there. He said, there's no sense in just having eternal spirits I want them to have their body as well and their soul so he'll adopt us with a spiritual adoption at the very moment our spirit is born again by the Holy Spirit and we receive the adoption of sons and heirship and joint heirs with Jesus Christ to our body and to our soul. He not only saved your spirit but he also adopts your body and your soul. By the way, your body and soul don't change genetics. When somebody's adopted, their genetics don't change just who their parents are. That's why you get the new creature added to the old creature. Now, <clears throat> look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Does infirmity sound like something good? No. The word infirmity means sicknesses, diseases. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you get to the point where you don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit says, let me, let me translate for you. I can tell God for you. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
In other words, he's going to say, <laughs> I've heard preachers, well, you need to put God on a limb. You need to open your Bible and show God what he said, and you've got to make God keep his word. I don't have to make God do anything. Those kind of people scare me. I'm glad God's got good aim is all I can say. I have no right to open the pages of this book and say, God, you said it, now you have to do it. If you don't do it for me, I don't talk to God that way. I love my dad, but you think I'm going to talk to him that way? Mm-mm. He's 84 years old, but he'll still knock the snot out, I'm sorry, mucus out of me. You say, why? That's my dad. I'm not going to talk to him that way. Yeah. That's why I can run faster scared than he can mad. And farther. Now, wait a minute. God says here that uh, he's going to make intercession for us by the will of God. He'll go to God and say, now, God, you said in your word that you would do this. And you're obligated by your word, but he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And he has the ability to say what we cannot say or what we should not say. Turn to John chapter 14. I could have spent the whole night just on this one point. I'm not going to. There's no way I'm going to exhaust the topic tonight. But I want to show you a few things. John chapter 14, look at verse number 23. Now I want you to notice who are being spoken about here and who is speaking. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said, okay, now who's talking here? Jesus. Je- oh, yeah, that sounded weak. Who's talking here? Jesus. Jesus. There you go. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. That's the Holy Spirit moving into us when we get saved. We are the temple, the abode of the Holy Spirit. Verse 24. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the, but the Father which sent me, the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I say unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, did you realize when you are afraid, you're not relying on the Holy Spirit? Fear of anything. He said he'll teach you all things and bring all things. He didn't say some things. He said all things. He didn't say just the things of spiritual nature. He said all things. So when we get in a panic mode and we get fearful and we get fretful and in distress, it's a matter of us not relying on the Holy Spirit and we're relying on us, not God in his word. But it's the Holy Spirit that will teach you these things. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, just a page over. Look at verse 31. (laughs) I love some of y'all would would have hated to hear Jesus preach, I promise you. John chapter 16, look at verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered. Every man to his own shall leave me alone, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that it, in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. How did he do it? By the Spirit. So what are we so worried about in this world? John chapter 17, look at verse number 11. John chapter 17, look at verse number 11. This is Jesus praying. The whole chapter is a prayer of Jesus. 
If there was ever a chapter that ought to be, quote unquote, the Lord's Prayer, it ought to be John chapter 17, not the model prayer. The disciples didn't say, teach us a prayer. They said, teach us to pray, and Jesus worded it in an outline for them that they could remember. That's what that was. This is the actual Lord's Prayer, John chapter 17. We're going to pick up in the middle here. Look at verse number 11. And now I, Jesus, am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. None of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Speaking of Judas Iscariot. And now come I to thee, and uh, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them for thy, through thy truth, thy word is truth. Now look at me. Sounds to me like Jesus knew we were going to face some problems, doesn't it? So why do we want to judge somebody? When, why do we want to say it's not God's will if it's not going right? Why does it all have to go right for it to be God's will? I say this often to preachers. The will of God usually swings on the hinge of opposition. Do you think the devil wants God's will to be done? So do you think he's just going to let it move smoothly? No, you throw a rock in a pack of dogs and one it yelps is the one you hit. So when he starts squawking, guess what? (laughs) He's coming after you. Now, sounds to me like Jesus knew that just because you're saved, all your problems don't go away. Sounds to me like God knew that the will of God was going to face opposition. Sounds to me like God knew that the truth would face opposition. I'm going to make this statement. God has never one time said that he would prevent all problems for saved people. I challenge you. Go through that book. You'll never find it stated that he is going to keep you from all your problems. He did give us the Holy Spirit and the word of God. And he would guide us with the Holy Spirit and the word of God and truth to bring us through those problems. Now go back to Romans chapter 8. This is where things get really messed up. And I'm going to show you something here. Verse 28. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now look at me. Not one time did God say all things are going to be good. And I'm going to talk on this in just a little bit. But I want you to know something. (laughs) He's talking about saved people. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God. Those are the people that are his. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you remember what we read down a few verses later? Talked about those whom he called, he justified. He's talking about saved people here. It's not somebody who's been called of God into the ministry. It's those who have been called to salvation. They called out to God. They they called upon the name of the Lord and they got saved. Now, so when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit and he is there to help us. He did not ever say that he was going to keep you from problems. Uh, 
I hear people say, well, why doesn't God just take all the problems away? He said, I had to go through the problems. You're going to have to go through the problems. He said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. The world's going to hate you, yes. The world's going to oppose you, yes. But I'm not taking it all away because you have to live through it just like I did. Number two. This is the point that's going to get sticky. Justification takes care of all our sin standing with God. Justification takes care of all of our sin and our standing with God. Do you remember when we studied the doctrine of justification? It lines us up. It brings us back into line. It justifies. It, as it is written, there is none righteous. And it brings us back into a line where we are in line with the plumb line again. God stepped in and justifies our account. He justifies the books. He makes sure that the assets and the liabilities are at a match. When he adds the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we go into the black. And we have an eternal account that is never ending. But justification brings us back up to zero. Now, listen to this very carefully. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 29 again. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And that whom he called, he also justified whom he justified them, he also glorified. Now, listen to me very carefully. I'm going to unteach something. There is an evil, vile, wicked, filthy, ungodly, satanically involved doctrine called predestination salvation. Predestination salvation is crawled out of the pit of hell. That says that God predetermined who is going to get saved and who is not going to get saved. And even if you wanted to get saved, but God did not predestinate you to do so, you couldn't get saved. And if you didn't want to get saved, you can live however you want, and God's, because he predestined you to be saved, that you are going to be saved. That is a doctrine that came out of the pit of hell. Because my Bible says, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. It was started by a man named John Calvin. John Calvin was an idiot. If John Calvin believed his own doctrine, he died and went to hell. Plain and simple. Calvinism has done more to influence Baptist churches and other churches the wrong way and keep people from going soul winning. Keep people from getting the gospel out. It was his way of saying, well, we'll just let God separate it on his own. We'll just work on us being spiritual. The ultimate of Phariseeism, the ultimate of selfishness, not caring about anybody else but yourself. Now, you say, well, it uses the word predestinate. Yes, look at it again. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of his son. Now look at me. What does that mean? Conformed to be the image. When you got saved, you were justified. You were brought into the family of God. And you were conformed to the image of his son. Because God imputed the righteousness of Jesus Christ, stamped it on your account. And when God sees your name, he sees Jesus Christ's life. And your justification and your righteousness has been conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He does not see you. He sees the life of Jesus Christ, not your unrighteousness. And you are conformed to his image. How? Justification and imputation. 
Now, remember that justify equals that lining up as sinless. It's not based on our works. Are we justified by works or by grace and faith? Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Oh, somebody slowed that clock down. Put slower batteries in it. Galatians chapter 2. I'm having too much fun right now. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse number 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by what? Works of the law. But by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even, Even when we believed in Jesus Christ. That we might be justified by what? The faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now look at me. If we don't get justified by the works of the law, what right do we have to judge somebody else's works if they are justified? If you don't get saved by by your works then you have no right to judge somebody else's life. You are as wicked as the old devil himself, the accuser of the brethren. Say, preacher, you're hot under the collar. I'm hot everywhere right now. (laughs) Look at verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. Oh, we are still sinners, aren't we? even though we've been justified. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I will make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who gave him uh, loved me and gave himself for me i do not frustrate the grace of god for if righteousness come by the law then christ is dead in vain when you say well i'm not sure if they're saved you just crossed a line saying then what jesus did was vain i didn't say it god did Because you're not justified by works. You're justified by faith. And if you did not work to get it, you don't have to work to prove it. Go to Galatians chapter 3, verse number 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched... Ooh, that's not talking about the lady that wiggles her nose. (laughs) Who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth... Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set uh, forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you in the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. Skip down to verse 21. Is the law then against the promise of God? Promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been any been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have come by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified By faith. No part of salvation comes by works. Our works have zero to do with our salvation. Any part of it. The Holy Spirit 
is not given by works either. The Holy Spirit's given by birth, not by works. Hang on, Church of Christ, Pentecostals, uh, Church of God, all the other tongue waggers and Jimmy Swaggart and all the other mess. Hang on. Well, you got to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't work to get the Holy Ghost. He's given at birth. We are born of him. He is our spiritual father. Hmm. He's given only by salvation, not by works. Our justification, our being saved, does not change based on our works. You cannot ever be unsaved no matter how bad your works are. You doubt me? Let's read Romans chapter 5. Go back to Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. I'm going to read real fast. Whew. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, there is a peace treaty made between us and God by Jesus Christ, correct? All right. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Oh, sounds like problems. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope makes the not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when you were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some should dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Oh, so maybe if you're going through problems, it's not a judgment of God. It's just something that we sinners go through. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It doesn't mean you go out and live however you want, but guess what? You're going to keep sinning. But it was cared for by Jesus Christ, and you died with him, and you were buried, and you resurrected, and you were given a new life. Wow. This is yet another proof of the fact that you can't lose your salvation. <laughs> Now, everybody listen to me real carefully here. How many of you agree the Bible says once you're saved, you're always saved? Say amen. amen. Okay, you very, say it again. If you're saved, you're always saved. Amen? amen? Okay, just need to make sure you're out there. Amen? Now, wait a minute. If we are saved and you can never lose it, what right do you have to judge somebody else's? Quit playing God. Well, I don't know if they really meant it by how they're living. Well, the fact that you're questioning it makes us wonder about yours then. Because God says, judge not that you be not judged. <laughs> Quit thinking you are better than what you really are. God did not make you the salvation inspector. You don't have a badge printed on you somewhere saying salvation inspector. Inspector numbered 127. And you got little tags that you put on somebody. They passed my inspection. Oh no. We'll not, we'll not stand before you. We'll stand before God. 
So, let me get to the real part of the sermon. Point number three. God's promise, God's promises to us when we're facing troubles, trials, tribulations, and problems. And we know, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. To them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God never said all things are good. I hate to tell you this. Look at it again. And we know that all things work together for good. Did he say that it was going to work together for your good? No. God does say he'll guide us to get as much good out of the situation that he can. Sometimes things just get messed up. And you got to take all the good that you can out of it and can the rest. And you keep on going. God wants to guide us in our problems so he can get as much good as possible. He doesn't want us to keep messing up and making it worse by trying it our way. Every time you get into God's way, you, you, you make less good available for God to get. Well, I keep trying. Yeah, you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Same recipe equals same result. Why don't you just stop the recipe and let God salvage everything? I'm not angry. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> when Josh and Ruth Ann were wanting to adopt and foster kids and stuff, I said, well, should we pray? He said, Dad, be careful how you pray. I said, what do you mean? He said, good for us means bad for somebody else. Oh, boy, there's a lot of wisdom there. That was hard. Yeah, I wanted my kids to have what they wanted. But for them to get what they wanted, somebody else had to lose children. Uh, that put a whole new perspective on praying for that thing. He said, remember, our good, somebody else is bad. whole lot more people hurting that way than there is for the joy for us getting. I hate it when the kids are more spiritual than I am. <laughs> God didn't say everything is going to work out for your good. But he said, because you're saved, I can work good out of it. And I'll get as much good as I can from it. Number next. So when you're going through problems, stop. Let God get as much good as he can. Number next. <laughs> We can never lose our standing, our justification, no matter how bad the problem. We're not going to read verses 29 through 33 again, but God talks about how that once you're justified, you're called. Once you're called, you're saved. All those things come into play. It doesn't matter what comes. You'll never lose your salvation. God makes us as saved as Jesus Christ. Think about that for a second. The moment you get saved, you are as saved as Jesus is. I'm going to show you what I mean. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. Right before the book of Revelation, uh, just a couple pages back, 1 John chapter 3. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, Revelation, 1st John chapter 3, look at verse number 3. Ugh. Honestly, I don't have long, but I do need to go over about 6 or 7 minutes, but okay. 1st <laughs> John 3, look at verse number 3. And every man hath this hope in him, purify himself, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, 
and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth. Remember that word abode? Do you know what another tense of the word is? Abide. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. You say, does that mean I could live without sinning? No, let me show you. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither yet neither knoweth him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning, for he is a purpose. Uh, for this purpose the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is what? Born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Did you know once the seed, which is the truth, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus, once you get saved, in God's standing, you have never sinned because Jesus, the seed, is in us. And because of his righteous life, Added to our life, God cannot see your sin. It's not that you don't sin, but on your record in heaven, it never shows up because it's already been cared for. Uh, look at First John chapter 5. Whew. Quickly, I'm going to read six verses. Whosoever, verse number one, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. That's being saved, right? And everyone that loveth him that begat, uh, loveth him also that is begotten of him. In other words, we ought to love each other who are saved. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous for what Soever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now watch this. Who is then he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by the water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit, capital S, that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. Now watch this. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. If you have a Schofield reference Bible, there's a note there. And it says in many translations, this verse is omitted because it's not necessary. Mr. Schofield's got a hole in his head the size of two C-17s could fly through his ears. When you start dissing the Trinity and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I have a problem with that. Now watch this. <laughs> we are saved and his seed remains in us. Our sin account is cared for past, present, and future. And if you can't lose it, then why are we judging somebody by it? It's a slap in God's face for you to judge someone's salvation by works. Because they're not saved by works. They got it by faith and are kept by faith. How dare we tell God that he can't keep somebody saved? So... First of all, God works as much good out as he can. Second of all, realize no matter how bad the problem, you're not going to lose your salvation. Number three, and I'm about to shout. Look at verse, verses, uh, Romans chapter 8. We're not going to read verses 35 through 39 again together, but God says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he talks about a whole list of things. I'm not going to go through that list of things right now. But can I tell you something? Just because you're going through problems doesn't mean you can't be close to God. He said, all these problems are going to draw you closer, not push you away from me. 
When your kids are going through problems, do you push them away? No, you pull them in a little tighter, don't you? When somebody's having a hard time, do you stomp them or do you pull them a little tighter? Why do you think God would push you away just because you're facing problems? This is a promise that God, (laughs) that his love has not failed you because there's a problem. Well, God must not love me. I'm going through this. I don't know what I did to God to make him mad. Have you ever thought you're a sinner? This is what everybody goes through? Do you know that unsaved people get cancer? Do you know that unsaved people lose loved ones? Do you know that unsaved people have financial issues? So what makes you any different just because you got saved? That you're magically, God's going to sprinkle spoofle dust and no problems ever? Wrong answer. His love is more assured because you are in the problem than it would be without the problem. You get close to somebody by going through problems with them. Not by the lack of problems. Quit blaming God for allowing the problems. You're the sinner, not him. How about we start loving him in the problem, not waiting till the problem's over? How about we quit complaining about the problem and just realize God loves me whether I got a problem or not? <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> God didn't take the storm and the flood away from Noah. But he did go through through the flood with him. God didn't take Pharaoh away from Moses, but he did take him to the promised land. God did not take Potiphar's wife away from Joseph. And after seven years in prison, God was with him in those seven years, though. God did not take the fiery furnace away from Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, but he went through the fire with him. God did not take the lion's den from Daniel, but they didn't eat him up that night. Now, I've seen pictures, Daniel laying up against a bunch of lions all bedded up. I ain't no Baptist preacher in the world got enough stupidity to lay up against a lion. I don't care what anybody says. If I'm in a room full of lions, I'm going to be by myself awake the whole night. If I'm going to die, I want to see myself die. I want to know which one did it. Yeah, buddy. I ain't a knife. I hate cats. Nope. How about we quit running and complaining about the problems and start looking at the promises God gives us because of the problems. Let's quit judging someone based on problems. Well, God's judging them. If you walked out in the rain, you'd drown because your nose is stuck so far in the air. (laughs) How about we immerse ourselves in how much God loves us and not worry about all, all the other problems? When you have problems, run to Romans 8. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. What a great set of promises God gives us, power packed in about 12, 13 verses there. What an incredible thing God's done for us. What a great God we have. Let's bow our heads. I don't know about you, but I've faced a lot of problems. Had a lot of difficulty. Many I didn't even know how to handle, but I didn't lose my salvation Didn't lose my standing with God. He worked out a lot of things for good. (laughs) And he, he and I got to love each other a little bit more.